the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. You have a you know, 40-something-year-old Christian, you know, and I say, so what, what was different? Well, you know, I got saved when I was, you know, 13, but I rededicated my life about five years ago, and now, and I'm thinking there, I'm going to listen to the testimony, I'm like, well, you may say you rededicated your life, but what you did was get saved. But the, the good news is, is that they get saved, is that they come to Christ, is that something happens. And so we're not here to split hairs, but we are here never, ever you know, to take somebody's salvation for granted. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall the mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues his study in Romans 8, entitled New Life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Each soul has its own guidance system or spiritual GPS, the flesh or the spirit. And each guidance system steers it in a different direction. They may give an outward assent, they may, but you know what, when they're tired or they just don't feel like it, they just don't come to church. They just don't serve. They just don't give. They just don't whatever, you know. And church is just one more thing in the schedule and they don't even want, here's the thing, it's not so much about being in a building, it's about being with God's people and worshiping God together as family. Imagine saying, I don't want to go to my mother's funeral, I'm sleeping in today. I don't want to go to the memorial service. You know, this is, there's, a, there's an appetite or desire issue there. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. These are tastes, these are conditions, appetites driven by identity. One wants time with God, another goes through the motion. Generally speaking, you'll see it. You'll see it really develop and uh, metastasize over time. First they're excited, and then they're ambivalent. And then they get mad because you try to talk to them about it. They get defensive. You're judging me. No, I'm loving you. I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. This subtle... Apathy turns into an overt hostility because they have no taste for the things of God. 
For the mind set on the flesh, Romans 8, 7, is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. And that hostility doesn't mean that they're, you know, throwing a pitchfork and wanting to burn people at the stake. It means that they just don't care. Think about this. They don't care that God's one and only son came to earth and suffered unimaginable, unimaginable agonies for them. I mean, today we we honor the veterans. We do that once or twice a year, the ones who died in combat and the ones who live with us today, later on in November. And no one has enough time week after week to honor the Son of God, God the Son, who died for our sin. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. You see this in John 3.36. You see this these tastes, this dichotomy between believer and unbeliever, the difference in their inclinations and their appetites. And in John 3.36, another chilling passage. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever faiths in the Son, whoever embraces the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. One gravitates toward the Son, one doesn't. Now that word, and it's funny, it's translated, it's a single word. It says, does not obey, three words, because the Greek language is like full color, three-dimensional, and English is sort of black and white television, kind of, sort of, for those of us who remember those days. The word there is apatheon, apatheon, apathy. You know, those who really don't care, don't obey. That's where they're, they're kind of interpreting what it means there for us, which they should avoid doing. The word apatheon means those who have apathy towards the son, those who could care less. Those who love him obey him because they want to serve him. They're not saved by their works, but their faith and their love and their loyalty to God produces works in their lives. And those who, yeah, I can take him or leave him, says that the wrath of God doesn't come upon them it remains on them because apart from Christ, you're under wrath. And that wrath will become more intense the older you get and eventually you cross over without Christ into a graceless eternity. And so this is a warning here. This is a warning. Look at the appetites. Observe. Is the loved one, is your mind set on the flesh, set on the agendas of this life or elsewhere? The mind set on the flesh is death. Two types of people with two types of appetites. You see this really clearly also. It's teaching something different, but it mentions it sort of in passing in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you see this. This is Paul, the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul to believers. And he says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course, the direction, the appetites of this world. This is where you have two types of people following who? The prince of the power of the air. That's a synonymous with Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and who were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Two people, two types, two directions, two agendas, two appetites. When you encounter Christ, you're changed. It's the old song, the times they are changing, so are the souls that have encountered Christ for salvation. One follows the culture in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, and one follows Christ. One follows the pattern of the world, one follows the word of God. That's why we read this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I want you, you know, we memorize these verses, but do we really think about them? 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. New appetites, new thinking, new ways of living, new directions, new tastes, new desires, new life. This is very discouraging to think about this sometimes. I have family members. I remember them making a profession of faith and then just walking away. They, they were in a jam and they wanted fire insurance. They, they were carried away by the emotion of the moment, not the recognition of their sin. And it, 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 it is a burden that I carry day in and day out. I pray for them every day. It is a weight on my soul. Which brings us to our third conclusion. And there is the good news here. It's not all bad news, right? Let this fact, let these realities comfort and console you. Because in many cases, it should bring great comfort and great consolation. Reassurance for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For this, the mind set on the flesh is death, but, but, and this is, this is good news in, in Romans 8, 5 through 6, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. We're not talking about sinless perfection here. We're talking about somebody who has a budding, growing relationship with God. And they may drive you crazy sometimes. You may see your young, your grandchildren, your children make dumb decisions, but they always seem to get back on track down the road. They pull off the road and you're like, oh no, not again. Then they pull back on because, because they know Christ. You know, we've talked about this before. You have an apple tree and fruit is on different places in the tree and it's exposed to different amount of light and water and it ripens at different rates of speed. And you've got this child here who's just doing it all for Jesus and then, you know, you have the little train that could coming behind them, but still getting there. I, I want you to find great comfort and hope in this because what you have to give them with the gospel is more important than any career choice, any choice they could make in their lives. And when you shepherd a child's heart rather than merely force their outward behavior, this is one of the problems. You have Christians who are just pounding this into their kids and what they produce are Christianized little pagans who are, whose hearts are hard as flint. You know, and you, you know the tr- you, we speak the truth in love. And what we have here is a chance, to, is a reminder that it's never too late to shepherd a child's heart, to point them to Jesus, to live out your faith before them, no matter what happens. And the comfort and the consolation is, is if they are saved, right? What does it say in Romans? We'll get there later. The calling and gifts of God, calling and gifts of God are irrevocable. They cannot lose their salvation. It was never theirs to get, and it's never theirs to give away. And what you can take stock in, what you can take hope in, is if they are saved, and if you're seeing fruit, lasting fruit, not just fruit on Sunday, not convenient fruit, you know that no matter what happens to them, no matter what happens to them, they're going to be okay. There's no better feeling in the world. I can tell you from experience, standing over my daughter in a trauma unit, waiting for her to die, and saying, you know what? She's yours, Lord. You're in charge. Your will be done, not my will. And being able to do that because we had shepherded her heart. Now, God does the saving. He just allows us to participate. So I just want to encourage you with that. There's tremendous hope in John 6.40. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to speed up. In John 6.40, Jesus says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And look at that. And I will raise them up on the last day. 
I will raise him up on the last day. Not I might, not if they don't lose their salvation. If they believe, I will raise them up on the last day. Does that mean they're supposed to be the greatest theologian that ever lived? No. It means they have trusted Christ, that he is their God. And our comfort and consolation is that they belong to him. In John 10, 27 to 29, it says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never, never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. John three thirty six. whoever believes in the son has eternal life. And in Romans eight thirty seven to 39, we read nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing created, nothing visible, things past, things present, rulers, powers, principalities, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not our stupid choices, not the demonic realm, nothing that has existed or exists today. And this is a fact that should comfort and console us, that should encourage us, that should sustain us. This is the good news. If they belong to him, they belong to him. Conclusion number four. And this is the tricky part. And, you know, going back to sort of the bad news again, but I just want to make sure you have a clear picture of all this. You know, don't assume anything. Uh, As much as you can be comforted and consoled by this, be challenged by it. Allow this fact to challenge and to motivate you to look more closely at the life of your loved one, to look more closely at your own life. Romans 8, 5 through 8, for those who live according to the flesh have set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For, the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are of the flesh cannot please God. What is it saying there to you and I? What does this mean for us? It means that we don't want to take our eyes off of the ball. We want to watch those children, those loved ones, those colleagues, those friends, those spouses, and diagnose and determine, is this real or not? You know, the cure for what ails us is the gospel. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we can't afford to take anyone's salvation for granted. It doesn't mean that you're the religious police walking around judging people day in and day out because you see legalists and Pharisees, they're so busy working on everybody else's sin they can't work on their own. It just means not to be naive. Be wise, be discerning, be careful, be responsive. What are their inclinations? What are their agendas? What are their habits? What are their tastes? Ask yourself that. You know what what the good news here is? Is that if we do this discerningly, we can intervene. God could use us for a little divine intervention. God could place us in somebody's path to plant a seed, to respond rather to react to their sin, to ask questions, to encourage, to point to the Savior. It's never over in this life until this life is over. I am the good shepherd, is what he says. My sheep hear my voice and I give them eternal life because they believe on me. Your job and my job isn't to save anybody because we're not God. But we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ and our job is to point people to Jesus by word and by deed. Our job is not to take anybody's salvation for granted. I can't tell you how many times I've done a baptism class in the past. And you have a you know, 40-something-year-old Christian, you know, and 
I say, so what, what was different? Well, you know, I got saved when I was, you know, 13. But I rededicated my life about five years ago. And now, and I'm thinking there, I'm listening to the testimony. I'm like, well, you may have say you rededicated your life, but what you did was get saved. But the, the good news is, is that they get saved, is that they come to Christ, is that something happens. And so we're not here to split hairs, but we are here never, ever, you know, to take somebody's salvation for granted. I'm, I remember... I remember listening to, I was at a dinner and John MacArthur gave his testimony and he told about the first 18 times he prayed to receive Christ. His mother and father did not know what to do with this guy. He was a little hellion. He was just driving him crazy. And then finally, 17, 18, bang, it, he really embraced Christ and his life was never the same. I remember my daughters, you know, they prayed to receive Christ the usual 750 times that a pastor's son or daughter does, you know, how that goes. And, uh, but I remember going, you know, we're not going to baptize you and we're not going to let you take communion until we see change. And Grace came to Christ at about 10, and I think Anna at nine and a half. Baptized them both about two or three years later because, you know, preacher's kids, they, you know, they, they get saved, they get baptized right away, and then they cause everybody else to stumble. And I wasn't going to do that. And you know what? It took. It was real. I never had to ask him to have a quiet time. I never had to ask him to journal. I had it easy compared to some of my colleagues. But I never took their salvation for granted. I watched, I waited, I looked, I listened. And that's what we have to do. And then when one of those teachable moments come, one of those Deuteronomy 6, talk to him by the side of the road, talk to him by the wayside. When that moment comes, you, you're ready, willing, and able to share the gospel. So... Two kinds of people, those with eternal life and those without it, those, with Christ, those who are Christians, those who aren't. They have two types of inclinations, two types of appetites toward God and away from God. We have reasons for comfort and encouragement because salvation, when it's real, they never lose it. You know, they, they can't give it away. And we have reason for concern. But this is all good because God is telling us, this is his love letter from another world, and he's warning us and he's forewarning us and forewarmed is forearmed, Right? He's preparing us to parent, to live, to disciple. I mean, some of you don't have little kids anymore, but you might be discipling a 20-something. I disciple three 20-something people every week. And this is what you do. Life in the Spirit is obvious at some point. That's what I want you to take away from this. And if there's no visible life, there might be a reason for that. I don't want you to be naive. So, what is our application? Well, let me start with young families, all right? Pour, you know what, pour, spiritually pour into your children. Plant seeds. Take every opportunity to talk about God. I remember I would pick up my daughter and sing, you know, sing to her, and you don't want to hear me sing, I'm surprised she's not scarred to this day. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I would just sit there and rock her back and forth. Uh, you know, and I would change the lyrics every time to suit whatever I was trying to teach, you know, because it's not a hymn, you know, it's not, it's not inspired, right? And I'd say, who is Jesus? I don't know. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. I mean, I brainwashed those kids. You know, they come out of Sunday school. What did you learn today? I learned about God. That's the standard answer. No. But what did they tell you about God? I had little chants I would do, little Keith Crosby Gregorian chants. Mommy loves daddy. Daddy loves mommy. God loves mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy love God. Mom and daddy love God. And Grace, Grace loves mommy. You just bring it on, let me tell you. So that's young families. What about... If you've got kids who are, you know what? Here's another book. Here's a book, free book, not free, but small, easy to read. Your Child's Profession of Faith. Under 50 pages by a guy named Gunderson. Read it, worth it. Your teens, what do you do now? You shepherd their heart. Don't try to 
force them to conform, speak to them. Come, what did, what did God say to Israel? Come, let us reason together. Talk to them, talk with them. How was school today? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. I mean, you know, those are the standard answers. Well, what does nothing look like? I mean, talk, they're people. These are the closest relationships you're going to have. And, and use every moment to be teachable. That's the Deuteronomy thing, you know. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're like, you idiot. And say, now, this is an example of sin. Because I've been so, I mean, confess your sin to your kids. If you've never confessed your sin to your kids, you got a problem. If you've never apologized with a broken heart to your children, you got a problem. Do everything you can to affect their heart, to change their heart. Encourage their growth positively. You know, invite them to hang out with you and your Christian friends. Whatever it is, reason with them about the faith. And young adults, maybe they're out of the, maybe they're out of the nest, maybe not. You know, you, you, you've now transitioned to being a counselor and a coach. You know what? Your job as a parent ends when you die. Never stop. Never get up, give up. I'm not quoting Rudyard Kipling here. I'm just telling you how it has to be. This is your job till the day you die. Love them, help them, don't facilitate their sin, but don't just stand there ready to drop the hammer. Let them know that they are loved. Talk about your own problems. Talk about the challenges that you faced and where God made a difference in your career, in your marriage, in your life. Talk about your mistakes. Talk about your successes. And your siblings, Pray for him like it depends on you and sleep like it depends on God. But never, ever compromise your faith. And your colleagues and spouses, don't take their salvation. You know, people say, oh, they believe in God. Well, great, which one? Don't take it for granted. Talk to them. Listen to them. Build that relationship. You're not just there to, to sell a deal. To, I'm going to sell you this package. What is it going to take for you to buy this car, this salvation today? It's not what it's about. Work. You're working out your salvation with your sanctification with fear and trembling is a testimony to the people around you. You're under surveillance 24-7 by the culture. Remember that. And remember this, God is on your side. If God is with you, if he is for you, who can stand against you? It may take months, it may take weeks, it may take years. You may go to the grave and not see it and then you wake up in eternity and before long there's that person there because you planted a seed, you watered, somebody else harvested but it was God who yielded the increase. But I just want you to understand this. This is why we're here. We're just passing through and we wanna take as many people as we can with us but we have to be discerning. There are only two types of people, saved and unsaved. How do you recognize them? Their appetites. Why should that encourage you? Because if they're saved, they're home. Why should that challenge you? Because if their appetites show an apathy toward God, you cannot let your guard down. You cannot back off. You've got to press on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a hard topic and a hard passage, and we didn't even scratch the surface, Lord. But Lord, new life is a wonderful thing, and eternal life in Christ enables us to do in the Holy Spirit what we could not do in our own strength and our own flesh. And it enables us to persevere and grieve for those that we love that don't know you. It enables us to see their sin and ours. It enables us, Lord, to, to persevere. Let us never forget that our first flock, our, our first ministry is to our family. And we are to be Jesus to our children, Lord. We're not to be a Pharisee, a lifeless, loveless, legalist, Lord, but we are to be a loving, nurturing Savior. Help us, Lord. You know that our frames are but dust. You know how weak and weary we are. 
Father, display your glory through us, in us, to us, by us, and all around us. Lord, we grieve. We, we grieve for the loved ones that don't know you, Lord. And Lord, we look to you for guidance. We thank you for your, we thank you for your spirit who enables us to do in him what we could not do in our own. We thank you. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you And thanks for listening.